just you get to choose. Like here's here's the scenario: the the environment gives us something which can be perceived as negative, can be perceived as not working, can be perceived as problematic. The world's ending, so we get to choose to see it like that, or we get to see choose to see it as an opportunity. So clearly, that it's my responsibility now to do that for other people. If I have information, and you know, other people's success is my success, and vice versa. Because you know what, like the challenges or the roadblocks are the journey themselves. There's no big things. It's all little things compounding on top of each other. We coaches are excited to introduce Richard Kirby, business and executive coach, to this week's episode of Truth Seekers. Richard draws upon over 25 years corporate experience that included management positions in sales, HR and training, and engineer management. During this time, Richard worked for multiple employers that spanned the full range of organizational sizes, from a Fortune 100 to a pre-IPO VC-funded startup. For the last 20 years, Richard has been an independent consultant and coach to small business owners. He is a Visage Chair and executives in larger corporations. His dual passions are helping, one, business owners grow more profitably while increasing the work-life balance, and two, corporate executives focus and achieve better career results. Richard is an ISO certified management consultant and board certified coach with a Bachelor's of Science in Electrical Engineering and membership in Mensa USA. We know you'll enjoy Richard and the stories he shares on this week's episode of Truth Seekers. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Truth Seekers along with Coach Nick Davies and myself, Coach Josh Krekel. We have Richard Kirby joining us today. Welcome, Richard. Hi, happy to be here. Absolutely, looking forward to jumping in deep, having some great conversation here. Um, would love if you could just introduce yourself, give a little bit of background, and then, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Sure. Well, I'll just talk professionally. I have a degree in electrical engineering and uh, misguidedly decided to major in that and came out of school. And my resume said, I'm an engineer. So they hired me to be an engineer, not thinking about all the other things I could possibly do with my life. I followed that in the beginning about seven years out of college, I decided I didn't want to be an engineer anymore. So I went looking around. I had my next best career step I found was to go to the corporate training center working in a, I was in a Fortune 100 company. They had a big training center. Said, I don't want to do engineering anymore. I'd rather uh, teach. So they hired me to teach engineers how to do what I'd been doing, which was a pretty obvious, although not many people make that sort of a change. Uh, so I taught, loved it. it a, like, this is the best job in the world. It's just one problem. It's a dead end job. I'm stuck over here in Podunkville in HR training and development. No one will ever know I exist. So uh, really always trying to drive my career a new direction, learn something, get make more money, move up the ladder, whatever it might be. I had a friend in marketing. I went to the friend in marketing and said, um, hey, you know, I don't know anything about marketing, but you didn't know anything when you got here and now you're running the place. So how about hire me? So I got a job in marketing with no experience. And, but I found out quickly I didn't like marketing, but I got to go and meet with a bunch of salespeople. And that was, I described marketing as my gateway drug to sales. So I uh, found out, hey, sales, without going into it too much, man, I felt like sales is the way to go. Marketing stinks. 
So I was in sales and became a sales director and other things for about 10 or 12 years. 2001 recession hit. And uh, as you mentioned a minute ago, uh, one of the things I wrote in my bio was I sort of had to do a soul searching. First of all, do I want to go back to corporate America after 20 something years? I decided no. So what would I do with the balance of my career? And that's when I made a decision to get into coaching. And the way I did, which was rather unconventional, like a lot of my career, was I went to someone who had been doing it and was successful and said, I'll pay you. And again, without delay, belaboring it too much, basically we negotiated in about a month, uh, I agreed to pay him, came in and wrote him a check for $30,000 and said, okay, now you've been doing this for 20 years. I wanna learn everything you've learned in 20 years, everything you know, all of your coaching materials, all of your coaching techniques. I sat in with him and watched him coach and asked him, why did you say this at this point in the conversation? And, uh, then took all of his materials, totally rewrote them and updated them because they were pretty out of date and made them mine and launched a coaching, my own boutique coaching practice uh, right at 20 years ago. And uh, right off the bat, I was successful. So I felt like, hey, I must have done something right. So here I am 20 years later, still coaching after making that career change. Uh, that's just the business side. I don't know if you want to know more other than that, or that's good enough to get us going. Yeah, we definitely want to hear some of the personal stuff, but I feel like we have enough to, uh, like, I have so many questions, and I would like to hear Coach Nick's distinctions from, from your story here, and I think we'll naturally get into some yeah. of the, the personal side here as well, but maybe you, uh, Coach Nick, just share what do you notice the most, what's sticking out to, to you about, uh, about Richard's story here? Yes, thank you for sharing, Richard. Great stuff. The thing that I wrote down in capital letters uh, was talk about modeling success. I think every single one of those transitions was about, hey, you've done that before. Let me copy what you did and I'll get similar results. Repeat. You know, like it's it's so cool because one of the key principles we, we work with, I'm sure you do as a coach as well. It's like if you want to have similar results in a different area, what if someone has done it before? Right? And how, how great of a commitment level as well to say, hey, I'll write you a check. <laughs> and I'd, how you got to 30,000, I'd like to know that as well. But I'll write you a check so for you to model, like, I'll model all those behaviors. And then it must have been a lot of commitment from your perspective as well to do that. So, like, another principle of modeling success and being all in. And then when you do that, like, you hook yourself up enough, you end up with a 20, 20 year successful coaching practice. Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, that was uh, the biggest check I ever wrote for myself. So when I go to get a client, I'm basically saying, hey, you're going to write a lot smaller check than I wrote for 30,000 bucks for a coaching program. So what's the big deal? I don't say it that way, but that's what I'm thinking. You know, are you willing to invest in yourself? So, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, how I got there. And uh, I have morphed a little bit. I started out only doing career coaching with executives in corporate America because I had moved around in my career and I felt like that's what I related to. In the last six years, I've been coaching small business owners also. I'm curious, Richard, because part of your story reminds me of, of my story. Uh, I was in corporate America for 10 years um, doing, doing various things, but mostly you know, it started out as account management and moved into marketing and then and sales and business development. And I've ended up here coaching. I absolutely love it. 
just wondering what it is about coaching. You know, you mentioned engineering and marketing and sales. Like why coaching? Why is this the one that has stuck for the longest period of time for you? I, I felt like my life experience was, the, as I said, I started in career coaching and, I, and it was just natural for me that I had been planning and executing and changing in my career for 20 something years in corporate America. So when you think about what are you gonna coach somebody in? I mean, I could have been a personal coach or a life coach or something like that, but it just, that was the obvious relationship was I look at my, I look at my bookcase. I got books on interviewing, on resume writing and all this, because I had basically been self-helping myself. So I felt like, okay, nobody has spent the time on this that I have. So this is the area where I could best help. And that's how I, I got focused on uh, coaching. The, another anecdote is I think back and the first, you know, one of the first employees I had when I was a manager and I was like, I was like 25 years old and my employee was 27 and I, he was two years older. I, mean, I thought he's really an old guy. You know, this guy's old. He's two years older than me. Uh, uh, and I called him in my office after a few months. I went like, do you, do you like what you're doing in this job? And he's like, ah, it's okay. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the vibe I get from you. And it's just kind of, it's okay, not bad, but not particularly good. How, if you were to try to be honest, how would you rate yourself compared to the other engineers you see around here? I know that's hard to do, but how would you, how, how would you, how would you say you are? And he says, oh, I don't know, I guess I'm about average or kind of okay. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the way I feel, or that might be even a little overestimate. <laughs> So the next, the third question I asked him was, why are you doing this? You have a lot better capabilities. You could be doing a lot better things. You, there, you could have a lot better future doing something more than this. I don't know what it is. And about three or four months later, he quit. He quit me and went to another department in the company. So that was actually my first career coaching that I, I didn't even know I was doing. But as I thought back about what I was going to do, it's like, I. I was giving people career advice when they worked for me sometimes meant you should leave. <laughs> it's, it's such a key thing that was really helpful for me and it's been helpful for a long time. When you're working with people, whatever they're doing, you've got to be clear about whether they want to be there or not. And, yeah. and some people get shy away from that because it's like, what if they leave? What if like, what if I push them away? So well, great. That means it's it's the right thing. It's right for you. It's right for them. Right for the business. I think that's such a big big value that we add as coaches. But I love what you said as well, Richard, because there's so many similarities from my career as well. My previous career, yeah. I worked for 20 years in corporate and, and coach was just saying the same stuff. Having a team, I remember in my early 20s, and everyone else was older than me as well. But I love what you said about for you having the self help and figuring it out along the way. It's the principle of compressing time. I think that's what we do again right now as coaches to help people like see what the back to the modeling, modeling success and just get there quicker, right? You've seen it before. You're like, ah, just do this. Like, just save yourself 10 years. We'll get there quicker. It's, uh, exactly. I have a lot of uh, phrases and quotes, and I'm sure you guys do, that you picked up along the way. And usually in a conversation, they just come to me as we're talking. And the quote that came to me as you were talking, Nick, was, uh, experience is a very good teacher. It's just very slow and expensive. 
So if you want to learn it through experience, eventually you'll probably get there if you pay attention. But how many times do you want to fail when you could have maybe done something more effective first? That's, that's the reason to have one reason to have a coach to do it right the first time or as soon as possible, rather than learn through bitter experience. Yeah, it's scary because we can't get that time back and uh, we can stack as well, right? If we can get that stuff, it takes you a year to do something. If you can get that done in a quarter, then you can fit four years into one year. But not only that, you get the impact of compound interest as well. So likely that if you did that in a year, that four year stuff in, in one year, you probably actually get obvious stuff out because you get the, the immediate stacking effect of it like that that's a weird thing that time does yeah and i'll give another quick example uh when you talk about it compresses time that's true uh, i had a i had an executive client it's the most crazy example i can give but it really gets people's attention uh he i he it was doing career coaching with him a few years back maybe five years ago and he got a job offer for his cfo position in this pretty big company and they made him a job offer of $300,000. And I always go through and then say, okay, let's look at what do you want? What are they offering? What's deficient? What might you negotiate on? And uh, basically he made two phone calls, one to the HR people and then talked to his future boss. And their offer went from 300,000 to 600,000. And I always say what people don't know back in career coaching is almost everyone leaves money on the table because they're so afraid to negotiate. They're afraid they'll spoil the deal and they don't have experience in sales. So they don't have any guts, frankly, to negotiate, even C-level people like him. Um, so that's a, is not only speeds up your, your growth, but as you're saying, speeds up you know, income is nice too, because we're not going to live forever. So if you can get another $300,000 this year, as opposed to five years from now, when you finally get enough raises and cost of living adjustments to get there, uh, it makes a huge difference. Also from, great, great point. Thank you for saying that Sorry, Richard. I will use that if it's okay going forward. <laughs> License to think about the importance of asking for what you want, because the ultimate, ultimately that's more valuable for that company as well, because He's going to go, wow, I really am worth it. Like, I'm going to perform like a $600,000 C-level employee here, right? And uh, it's likely this could be better against better for everyone, which is uh, super cool to hear. Well, feel free to use it. Another, I won't Thanks. overdo it with the words to live by, but another one that comes to mind is, is plagiarism is the most sincere form of flattery. So, <laughs> so feel free to use anything you want. <laughs> Yeah, nothing's new. Everything's just made up. It's just what's your flavor of it. That's the unique part. You know, like I often share with people that it's, I know that what we do can help anyone, not because I'm so great, just because it's principles and concepts. And it's just that your application of those for you and what you want for your life, your career, your business, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's really just practical life training as opposed to theoretical professional training. I got four years of pain in engineering school to get an engineering degree. And then you get out and you find out 90% of what I learned, I will never use. But I did get the piece of paper and I paid all the money and spent four years of my life doing it, which helped a little bit, but not practically, except for that having that credential. That's the practical part of that four years. What you learned is 
is just a small piece of that. So, so Richard, I'd love, I'd love to hear what, what would you go, if you go back that 20 years and maybe you could sprinkle in how you got to that 30,000, but what, what might you tell someone starting out? It doesn't have to be coaching necessarily, but starting out in a new endeavor in that way, what's the most impactful thing uh, to, to be able to either apply or have as a belief that allowed, allowed you and, and would allow people to get to their outcomes quickest in that, in that circumstance? Well, having an engineering degree, I always try to logically lay out my answer. So I think the first thing I would start with was the last thing you mentioned was belief. I kind of looked, scoped out some of you guys' stuff in the past and the, uh, the idea of, you know, do you believe in yourself or do you have self-limiting beliefs? I, every client I get, I assume you are an underachiever. I don't care where you are. You could achieve so much more than whatever you have. And my goal is to make, make some incremental increase in that that you note and go, yeah, that was worth paying for. So uh, I do believe it's important to believe in yourself and to reduce the self-limiting beliefs. Then when you talk about an endeavor, I would say the principle, you know, that would point me would depend on what the endeavor was. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think besides believing in yourself, I think you do have to have some sort of plan of action and goals. They don't have to be five pages worth. Everybody says, oh, you're going to go into business for yourself? Write a business plan. I did one. I did one when I started my coaching practice. It's about four or five pages, and I'm not sure to any, I might have looked at it for 10 minutes after that for the rest of my coaching practice. So you have all this stuff in your head, you write down on paper, and then you immediately go and do whatever you're going to do. So I think having a plan is important because at least you've thought it through, but then you really have the goals are what drive you. Like I had a business owner who was on a call this morning. It was one of, you know, several that we were, we were, we, they aren't a client of mine, but they, you know, I was telling him, I'm like, you know, you just need to set a goal for yourself for this year on this item. You're either going to do it or not. If you're going to do it, then say by this date, I'm going to do this. And then by this date, I'm going to be here. And that then you will by mid year or whatever, if you work on that goal, you will have a shot, a decent shot at reaching it. Otherwise, you're just sitting here. I can't say uh, mental what, but you know, uh, you're just kind of twirling the, the thing around. You're not getting anywhere unless you, in my opinion, unless you set a goal and then commit to, to the goal. Yes, it's, so much happens when you commit and take the action. That's the difference, right? You can, you can conceive anything that you want, but unless you are doing something to move towards that, and I would take that to another level, being that person, being the person worthy of achieving that goal, that's where magic happens. And quite often you'll find things along the way that might be just as valuable, if not more, than actually achieving the goal that you set out to achieve in the first place. So it's just, it's the, it's the doing and the being part. I think that is a difference maker for me. Um, but you got to get going somewhere, somewhere, somehow. Like I think of your example of your your colleague with like, oh, I'm average, you know, it just is what it is. There was nothing really driving that person. And it and it showed. So somebody who's who's dedicated to achieving something, you know, that, that person's on a mission. It's uh, an Earl Nightingaleism, I believe, that he said success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. 
So as mm-hmm. long as you're moving towards something, you are successful. You're not successful when you achieve that thing. It's more like the, the victory lap because it's the person you become along the way. Well, you're old school if you're talking about Earl Nightingale, obviously. But uh, I think he also said the biggest secret was you become what you think about. Mm-hmm. So that's related to the fact that if you have a goal and you think about the goal, then you will you may not get there, but you'll be moving in that direction and you'll progress. Whereas if you don't have a goal or you just have kind of this wish, you never do anything. And I think one thing we missed or haven't touched on so far too, goals, believing in yourself, uh, a coach can provide knowledge. Uh, another thing I look for in my, in my practice, which is somewhat related to what we've talked about, is I look at it, I have to be, provide inspiration. And I actually have a success formula I came up with, which is inspirational plus analytical equals inevitable. I have that on my website. And my idea is I have to inspire you to believe in yourself and to believe you can achieve it and to get motivated to do it. Then we really do have, then we have to do the analytical part of the brain, which is lay out what are the goals or what are the steps. And the last part we haven't really emphasized is as you guys know, with the coaching is accountability because we can always set a goal for ourselves and then forget about it, never do anything. (laughs) But if you say, okay, Josh, here's my goal. I'm going to get, like I said earlier, I'm going to get to here by March 31st and I'm going to get to here by June 31st. Okay. Now you're going to be wanting to hear from me. What am I doing? How am I doing? And self-accountability for a lot of people doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a we have an approach at ProAdvisor Coach we call the AAA approach, and the A simply stands for awareness, identifying where we are and where we want to go, uh, action, defining some sort of action plan to take to move in that direction, and then the third A is that uh, achievement, but it could also be accountability, right? It's just measuring the things that we said we're going to do and making sure that we're on on track for that. So. There's a lot of overlap, but like we say with, with all coaching, right? That's boil it down to principles. That's what this podcast is all about. The simple secrets of the successful, just identifying what people do, repeating it and putting your own spin on it. So with that segue, I might ask as we begin to wrap up here, something yeah. uh, from today's conversation, Richard, that is either you know a reinforcement of a, a principle that's very important to you or just something you might be taking away from, from what we discussed today. Uh, well. You know, the, what we've talked about is pretty fundamental to the way I think and the, the way I operate. So, you know, my biggest, the biggest compliment I've ever gotten from a client was they said, I feel like you're my guardian angel. Oh, wow. I considered that the biggest compliment because behind that, what they meant and what I've heard other clients say is, I felt like you always had my best interest in mind, which so the guardian angel concept you're trying to give the person advice that's in their own best interest (laughs) so so uh i think you know what we've said today that reinforces it the idea of uh, having goals the i that brings to my mind and things that y'all have talked about having goals having accountability having a plan um and 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 having some and having commitment I guess those are maybe the four words that come to mind out of this because all those things are great, but if you're not committed, we all know when we get the coaching client who won't be accountable, they're just not committed to it. So they've got the goal, but it's just isn't happening. Mm. So commitment 
is vitally important. Something that Coach Dick and I talked about have talked about many times, uh, both on this podcast and and privately. So, uh, Coach Nick, takeaway today, distinction from our conversation. Thank you, Richard, for adding more legs to the, my beliefs around principles of success in life. You know, more and more solid for sure. And it's always great to hear different language to add more more. Uh, more to my repertoire of options to go to go into. I think I think I'm sure you're sure you get this because you've been coaching for a long time. You you know that you're going to get outcomes for your clients when you work with them. It's just as you go into that that defined session and time, it's like, well, how are we going to get there today? And it's the art of the getting there. It's like okay, because that triple A approach that we use and you phrase it differently, uh, inspiration plus analytical equals inevitable for sure. It's also a dance and a cycle. It's like once we got the plan, we're not done with the inspiration. Like sometimes we need to go back there and sometimes we need to come back and look at the analytical part, get that plan and to make the inevitable part. Like that journey is never linear. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And I, I would leave you. You, you. you guys mentioned mindfulness on some of the other stuff I've had. And I actually did some research on mindfulness. I didn't use any of it today. <laughs> But I'll throw you a little bit of a curve for the end. I don't know if you've ever wrote it, read a book called The Voice of Knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's a it, it, it here's the concept. And I know we we're almost out of time, so I'll be real brief. The concept is this: you know, if you think about it, we're programmed. Think of us as sort of like there's two computers here, our brain or our mind. We have the rational thought, and I guess, you know, part of it, we have the irrational emotional input. So we, we have like the rational programs and the irrational programs, and there's some sort of AI that gets those guys to work together. But what, is, who's, who's, is there an observer? So the whole thing of the voice and knowledge is the idea to realize that you've mostly been pre-programmed or are you selectively programmed yourself through your life too, after you got pre-programmed by your, by your siblings, your parents, your relatives and everybody else before you even knew what, you were learning vocabulary words and they were putting thoughts in your mind. So you have all of that, your irrational and irrational sort of, but then there needs to be a supercomputer that's sort of observing what is going on. And that's more, I think what y'all talk about mindfulness and this book is about the fact that if you can't get to that point, then you're sort of like a robot running on your programming. And uh, it doesn't take, that's my words. You'll never hear what I just said in his book anywhere, but being an engineer, that was my interpretation. A voice of knowledge. Now, thank you. Thank you for sharing. That was actually going to be my takeaway, Richard, because I, I wrote down what you said. You said that uh, this conversation is fundamental to the way I think. And that just got me thinking, like part of what I've done over these past, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years, is basically a form of reprogramming my mind. I can't get enough, you know, Tony Robbins or some of these, these speakers, Earl, Earl Nightingale. I'm just like in my downtime, I'm constantly putting them on because I know what they, what they say speaks to me. It speaks to my heart, speaks to my mind, speaks to whatever, whatever is receiving that in me. And it's becoming my, the fundamental way that I see the world. And to your point, you know, there's other things that were planted there before I even knew what was going on. And uh, I came oh, across, absolutely. I came across something. And you still don't, and you don't know what those are either. 
I mean, I, I'm a widower and my late wife was a hypnotherapist. And the mm -hmm. purpose of hypnotherapy is get to, get to your subconscious and your unconscious. And you don't know what's there. You yeah. react and you form analytical thoughts based upon it. And you don't even know what the source code is in computer language. Right. And part of the work I think we can do is become more aware of that. But to your point, there might be a limit to that. But it's it's a constant uh, attempting to that. I think if you search for it, you'll find it. So you just keep going. Yeah. Just keep discovering more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've enjoyed it. I know y'all are out of time. Yeah. But, uh, thanks. Thanks so much. Richard, thank you. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining Truth Seekers. You're welcome. Thank you for watching another episode of Truth Seekers. We appreciate your interaction. So please comment, like, subscribe to YouTube, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want more, check out some of our links. Links to our masterclass, The Achiever's Mindset, and come join our LinkedIn group. And what do you want to see more of? Remember, we're here to share the simple secrets of successful. So help us do that. What do you want to see? What do you want to see more of? Thanks, and see you again next time.